Happy New Year to you all. It's, um, as Wayne and Bob have both mentioned, we're living in some interesting days at the moment, aren't we? Um, the pandemic's well and truly now on our doorstep and in some of our homes, not just on our news feeds anymore. So things are a little different. Uh, and before we look at the passage this morning, can I just, a word of encouragement, I guess, for us all. Um, whatever your thoughts about the virus and vaccines and government regulations and all that sort of stuff, whether you've got to stay at home on purpose or not. I've got Bron and Steph at home. They've got appointments and things coming up. They don't want to have to miss out. Um, so they're trying to stay out of too much public uh, areas. But can I just encourage you to consider what is it that rules your heart in these days? What is it that governs your heart? It might be fear, could be worry, could be anxiety, could just be frustration and you want to just blow it all. It might be just annoyed that your life's interrupted and the unpredictable, the unknown, can be really difficult to work with, can't it? Um, any of those things could actually be the overruling and determining factor in our lives, governing our hearts. But can I encourage us this morning, personally, each of us personally, but also together, to hear these words of Paul's, God's word to us for every day, but I think particularly for these days, from Colossians 3. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. It's not fear, it's not frustration or anxiety or the unknown which is meant to rule our hearts. And that word there is to govern our hearts, be the determining factor in our decisions and our actions. Uh, we're commanded to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Which means when other things try to creep in or barge in and try to govern our hearts and take over, we're actually to resist that and say, no, I'm going to let the peace of Christ rule my heart. What is that peace of Christ? Well, it's the peace of Christ first that we have knowing that we're loved by God, forgiven by God, justified by his grace. Because of that, we have peace with God in the forgiveness of our sins and the sure promise of glory. It's the peace we have knowing that he is sovereign in all of this. And as one pastor shared with me recently in isolation, he said, it's good to know the one in Revelation 6, the one who is worthy to open the scroll and open each of the seals and send out the horses to the ends of the earth. We know him. He's the Prince of Peace. He's our saviour. And so let him and his peace rule our hearts in these days. Just after that verse in Colossians 3, Paul also says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So we're going to turn to his word now and let that speak to us and let the word of Christ shepherd us this year through these days. 1 John 1, verse 7, if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We're two days into 2022. How are you going in the new year? How are those New Year's resolutions going? Two days in. I wonder if any of us considered making the New Year's resolution yesterday uh, to resolve this year to walk in the light, to walk as children of the light. You probably didn't. It's probably not a popular New Year's resolution. Um, not like losing weight or giving up something. 
Uh, but it might have been a really good resolution to make. To walk in the light of Christ. It's what we've been hearing about over these past four or five weeks through Advent before Christmas. And today we're finishing that series. Adam and Eve, think back to the garden, creation. They knew what it was to walk in the light every day. In the garden, created by God, everything provided by God for their sustenance, their blessing. They knew peace with God and with one another. Communion with each other. Even perhaps we can presume walking with God at times in the garden in the cool of the day, basking in the light of his glory and enjoying the light of his creation without any shadow of sin or shadow of darkness upon them, not even a whiff of guilt or shame. But then sin entered the world, didn't it? Through one man and through his wife, together with him, And what happened the next time they heard God walking in the garden? We've already heard a story about playing hide-and-seek with God. That's exactly what happened back then, wasn't it? No longer basking in the light of his glory. Instead, when they heard God, they sought out the darkness. They actually sought to hide from the light of his glory. From the penetrating, revealing and all-knowing light of God. Even just from his voice or his footsteps that they heard coming. Sin has entered the world and darkness with it. So how can we now, then and now, how can we now walk in the light of the glory of God? How is it in a sin-filled, broken and dark world, full of shadows and darkness, how can any of us say that we're going to walk in the light of his glory and bask in that light? What's going to stop us from hiding in the shadows? You see, Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, at one time you were darkness. Not just that you were in darkness, you were darkness. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? But now you are light in the Lord, and so walk as children of light. Something's changed. The big but now, there's a whole lot of stuff in there, isn't there? Good gospel stuff. And this morning as we finish our Advent series, extended one week past Christmas, uh, we're looking at the whole notion of what it is to walk in the light or to walk as children of light. As we just heard from 1 John, if we say we have fellowship with God while we walk in the darkness, then we're lying and we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he, God, is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In the space of just a couple of verses in 1 John there, we can actually see that walking in the light has to do with at least three things. It has to do with having fellowship with God and with one another, something which was interrupted, wasn't it, when sin entered the world? Their fellowship with God was broken, their fellowship with one another was broken. But walking in the light also has to do with truth. If you walk in the light, or say you're walking in the light, but you actually live in darkness and hate your brother, then you lie. It's got nothing to do with the truth. You're not practicing the truth. The idea of walking in Scripture is not just about counting your 10,000 steps in the day. Walking in Scripture has to do with your whole way of life. It has to do with practicing truth, which includes not lying, not practicing falsehood, but it's far more than that as well. 
Truth is not simply the absence of lies. Just like we've been talking about light being the absence of darkness or dispelling the darkness, truth and light have a moral sense to them. Truth in Scripture is actually more, more often contrasted with wickedness and unrighteousness than it is with lies and falsehood in Scripture. We'll look at that a little bit more in a moment. Walking in the light has to do with fellowship with God and one another, has to do with truth, and also from this verse, it also involves being cleansed from all our sin by the blood of Jesus, the Son of God. Children, you're all sitting in this morning. You can keep check. Three points today. Don't normally go to three-point sermons, but today we're going to do those three things. We're going to do them in a slightly different order. Truth first, then being cleansed from all our sin, and finally fellowship. Keep tabs. If I go over three, you can tell me off. And that's actually going to get shorter each time, so you can be encouraged in that. Uh, Not as short as Jonah's shortest sermon ever, but that's okay. We've been speaking about light for the last five or six weeks. Uh, And it's not mere physical light, it's the light of the glory of God, which has got a moral essence to it. Uh, This morning we hear that God is light. In him there is no darkness. It's not that just when you see God, all you're going to see is a bright light. It's actually more to do with his moral being and his character than it does with his physical substance. It has to do with his glory, as we heard a few weeks ago, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, his justice and love. In similar vein, John Stott, when he writes his commentary on 1 John, he says here, the effect of the light is not just to make people see, it's to enable them to walk. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. You see, the light of God is not just to tell us the truth about what right conduct is, Not just about, sorry, it's about right conduct, not just clear vision, not just being able to see, but encouraging us, telling us and teaching us in what we're to do. We are to not just know the truth, we're to practice the truth. We're to walk in it. John the Apostle makes it clear here that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all, nothing. No impurity, no moral impurity, no sin, not even a shadow. And therefore, first of all, for us to walk in the light is not about comparing ourselves to one another. It's not about seeing who's got more shades of grey than the other or who shines the brightest. It's not about each of us sinners compared to one another and say, oh, you're brighter than I am. No, it's actually about God, first and foremost. If he is light, in whom there is no darkness, walking in the light must be something to do with walking in God, in his truth, in his way. It's about God first and then us. And so often we get the gospel back to front, don't we, thinking it's all about us. We get life back to front. The devotion book we got for the family this year, the first one on January 1, was it's not about us. First four words of the scriptures, in the beginning, God. And that's so counterintuitive. Our sinful hearts think it is all about us, but our whole life has to do with God. So walking in the light is primarily not actually about us, but firstly about God. And then it's about us who once were darkness, and if we are now believers, are now light. And so we are to walk in the light. You see, we've actually been taken out of a kingdom of darkness. And we've been transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. Do you believe that? 
That's what's true for everyone who believes in Christ. You've actually been yanked out, rescued out of a kingdom of darkness, the dominion of Satan, and you've been delivered and transferred into a new kingdom, a kingdom of light, the kingdom of love, his beloved son. And it's in that that we're to walk in. We were once dead, but he's made us alive in his great mercy. Walking in that life is what it is to walk in the light, to walk in the kingdom of God's beloved son as his beloved children. We've been taken out of the moral cesspit of darkness, out of the kingdom of this world, and have been redeemed and adopted, transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. And so where do you live? Where's your citizenship? What's your passport say? Well, in Christ, your passport says your citizenship is now in heaven. Grant's going to tell us in a week or two just exactly where those heavenly places are. It's actually right here as we live and walk in Christ today. But our citizenship is where God is. And so, as I heard recently from Tim Keller, we are not citizens of this world trying to make our way to heaven. We are citizens of heaven trying to make our way through this world. A whole different way to live. We're not citizens of this world trying to get out and make our way to heaven. We're citizens of heaven making our way through this world. And so we live today in this world knowing, not trying to earn our way to heaven, but actually knowing that there is a home for us ready and waiting with a father ready to embrace us with the door open and the lights on and a room prepared for us in glory. And so we live now walking this journey through this world, knowing that we are not children of darkness any longer, but children of the light, even as we battle with, wrestle with, and try to dodge the shadows and the darkness. I reckon that's a pretty good summary of what it is to walk in the light, knowing that we're citizens of heaven, making our way through this world. That's the truth of Christ. That's the truth for all those who are in Christ through faith. We're pilgrims heading home to the Father, knowing full well, yes, there are dark alleys alleys and shadows along the path, you know, the little Red Riding Hood story. There's even wolves dressed in sheep's clothing, or maybe grandma's clothing. We've got to look out for them, don't we? But we know just as well there is a warm, well-lit home with a far larger family room for us all to live in, waiting for us when we get there. When you hear the phrase or the encouragement and command to walk as children of light, I reckon most of us would find it pretty easy to think that that means I've got to live the perfect, upright, sinless life. It's to be like God, having no darkness in us at all. And that would definitely count as walking in the light, if any of us could do it. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, as he urges us to walk as children of light, to try and discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And I assume when he says that, don't just discern it, actually do it. He helps us with what that discernment needs to entail. He says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, of disobedience, things which evoke the wrath of God, sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, greed, idolatry, Lies, deceit, hating one another, harbouring bitterness or anger in your heart. Sin. Keep away from it. Paul tells us to do that. 
And avoiding sin is definitely part of what it is to walk in the light. And what John tells us similarly, you can read what he says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Or a bit later in chapter 3, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. So it'll be really easy to think if we're going to walk in the light, we have to walk a life of absolute perfection. We cannot sin. But that's not what John is telling us here in this letter. If you want a full exposition of what John means there, look back on Sermon Audio on, the sermon, on the, a series we did in 1 John and I preached on what it means when John says those who, um, who are children of God cannot keep on sinning. Look it up if you're interested. But it's not exactly what he says here because that's not the truth of the gospel. He doesn't tell us that. You can never sin again if you're going to walk in the light because that's an impossible standard for us fallen sinful human beings to reach. Have a listen to what he does say. Open up if you haven't got it there. 1 John 1, verses 5 and 6. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. God is light and so to walk in the light must be to walk in God, not to walk in sinless perfection, but in God which definitely involves, as I just said, practising the truth, practising righteousness. It involves practical holiness in our lives. But in the very next verse, we can see that it doesn't mean living the sinless, perfect life. Verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so what we find is that not lying or not practising the truth here is in fact talking about how we view ourselves. How we recognise and confess or not the darkness or sin in our own lives, in our hearts. If we say we have no sin, verse 8, okay, sinless perfection, I'm walking in the light, that's me. If we say that, then we actually deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Lying about our moral condition is not walking in the light. That's not the truth about sin and our own hearts. If we say we are, then we're deceiving ourselves and we're trying to pull the wool over God's eyes and others. But all it achieves is actually demonstrating that the truth is not in us. But, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's the grace and the work of Christ on the cross, the grace of God in the work of Christ on the cross that is lethal to the darkness of this world. God's grace in his son has obliterated the darkness, dispelled it. And the darkness has not overcome it. He has disarmed the dark enemy on the cross, put him and his minions to open shame, triumphing, triumphing over them on the cross. Twice in the space of just three verses, 
while John's speaking about walking in darkness and walking in the light, he mentions the cleansing of our sins or the being cleansed from all unrighteousness. We had a fellow a couple of weeks ago at home come to clean our rainwater tanks. Um, hadn't been cleaned for a few years and the, you get a bit of scum on the bottom and we had fires a little while back so there's a whole lot of ash that was on the roof and that gets put in the tanks and couldn't even see the bottom. The water was so dark. We've had filters and everything else. But we had this fella come in and he said, oh, how are you doing? And found out what I did for a job. And he's, oh, right, OK. Um, pastor, how, how, are you, how are you finding COVID? A real just country lad, happy to have a chat. And he said, you find COVID's actually brought more people to church, more people to faith? He said, I reckon it should. It's definitely made me think about God and faith more. And I've got my kids. He's got a three-year-old and a five-year-old. And uh, he's just asking all these questions. I wasn't trying to evangelise him. He was just open and asking all these questions. We were chatting away. And he had a cup of tea with us afterwards. And I thought about it and I shared with him, um, his wife's come from a Muslim background, he's got all these different ideas. And I said, well, actually, your job here, you've just been cleaning our tanks. Reminds me a little bit about what Jesus does and what the gospel is. Rain falls down, it's pretty clean and pure when it comes in. If tank's new, you've got this beautiful, pristine water. But it gets pretty rotten and murky and slimy after a while and you can't see through it. It's not very pure at all. And that's humanity. We don't start off clean. It did with Adam and Eve. But then here comes my tank cleaner with a little vacuum and his big powerful pump and he sucks it all out and gets rid of all the muck and all the grime and all the dirt and he's purified it again. And he said, oh, wow, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> I said, yeah, I reckon it does. Thanks for cleaning our tank. And he ended up going home with a copy of the Jesus Storybook Bible to read to his kids because I reckon in that he and his wife might read us some good theology as well as share it with his kids. You see, walking in the light, as children of the light, is not about walking the perfect life. It's about knowing that our tank needs cleaning. Sometimes we think it's pretty good. We, on the outside, it goes through the filter, sometimes. And it comes out reasonably clean, but actually there's silt and muck and dirt in the bottom. Only the light of Christ on the cross and the blood of Christ has actually reached to the depths of that and got rid of all the muck and grime and sin of our heart. That's what's happened at the cross. He has removed every spot and every wrinkle and every blemish and every stain and he has washed us clean. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. How good is that? And the grammar there indicates that it's as we walk in the light, the blood of Christ cleanses us. It's a present, active, continuous verb. It's a once-for-all action that's taken place on the cross but actually, as we go on walking in the light, we keep on going to that cleansing power of Christ, don't we? And walking in that truth that we are cleansed, that we have been cleansed. To walk in the light is to swim in that lavish grace of God, in the blood of Jesus Christ. And if that's not what you relish, if that's not what you find so precious and so good about God, that he has dispelled the darkness from your heart, If you say you have no sin that needs dispelling, that needs cleaning out, 
then John tells us you remain in darkness. And we need to ask the Lord to search our hearts and to come and wash us clean. Walking in the light is to walk in the truth that we are sinners in the need of grace, desperate need of grace. Walking in the light is not about saying, look at me, my life's so good and clean and pure. No, walking in the light is to say, I'm a sinner, but look at my saviour who has washed me clean. Because as the light of Christ, the light of God in Jesus Christ comes, as we hear in John 3, the light comes and reveals, it exposes the deeds done in darkness, doesn't it? And we can run and hide and pretend that that hasn't happened to us. Or we can run to the grace of God in his son. Because the father of lights, as James calls him, doesn't leave us there exposed and naked and ashamed in our sin and shame, hiding in the shadows. It's not what he did with Adam and Eve, was it? It's not what he does with us. He clothed them and he has clothed us with the righteousness of Christ. He doesn't leave us in the spotlight of his glory, naked and ashamed with all our sin and guilt. He cleanses us from that. And so to walk in the light of that truth, believing and knowing that we have been cleansed from all our sin, means continuing to depend upon God and the cleansing power of the Christ of blood for every step we take in life by faith. Yes, it means wrestling with temptation and resisting sin and striving for that holiness without which we'll never see God. That's the power and the presence of the Spirit at work in our lives. Just as John writes in chapter 2, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. That's his goal. That's his aim. But if anyone does sin, we're lost. No, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's the propitiation for our sins. Not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. That is, not only are we cleansed from our sin, this word propitiation actually means God's wrath against our sin has been satisfied. We sing it in one of our hymns, don't we? The wrath of God is satisfied. God doesn't just sweep our sin under the rug in his heavenly home so that all the dust flies up when we finally reach there. No, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins because he sent his son the light of the world, to bear the sins of the world. He, reads, he writes that later in 1 John. This is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the same word, for our sins. This is all God's love, this light shining into the darkness. Our sins being washed, us being cleansed from all sin. It's God's love. Can you see how in a sin-filled, broken and fallen world, it's grace which is lethal to the darkness? Walking in the light is to live a life of practical holiness, resisting our temptation, running away from sin and running towards Christ, seeking the things above, not the things below. Setting our hearts and minds on things which are true, noble, right and pure. 
How do you go with that? I dare say there's none of us here who think of all those lovely things all the time, is there? None of us who have not and do not stumble at times in the darkness, even dancing with the shadows perhaps from time to time, always wrestling, sometimes stumbling, probably more often than we'd like to. But you see, in Christ, what John's telling us in this letter is that that's no longer a default position. As children of God, we are no longer in the darkness, we are in the light. We no longer walk in the darkness, we walk in the light. We may stumble and come across the shadows at times, but that's not where we want to live. We want to live in the light because we no longer belong in the darkness. We wrestle and stumble. We're at odds with the darkness. It's at odds with us. They're blots and blemishes, but they're blots and blemishes that have been washed clean in the blood of Christ. And so we walk on humbly, forgiven children of God, in continual need for the grace of God, for the blood of Christ and the presence of his spirit, that we would walk in that holiness, which is ours as a gift in Christ. And if there's no evidence of that in our life, if we love the darkness instead of loving the light, then as I said, we do need to examine ourselves. Ask the Lord to search our heart and to wash us clean. But if with good and sober judgment... There is evidence of love in our hearts. Yes, tainted with sin, wrestling with the shadows. But if we know that love of God and we know we can know we are children of God, children of the light, walking in the light, who have both an advocate, one who speaks to the Father on our behalf, but also an atoning sacrifice, one who has borne his wrath for us, appeasing it to exhaustion on the cross. And as I said, all of that is the act of God's love for us in his Son. Walking in the light is to walk in the love of God, in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and in the fellowship, our third and final point, of the Holy Spirit. Very briefly, we have the truth that we're sinners. We have the wonderful truth that our sin, we've been washed clean of all our sin in the blood of Jesus Christ. And in that wonderful state, we can have fellowship with God and with one another. Communion with a holy God and Father. Communion with each other, brothers and sisters. In Christ Jesus, fellowship restored. All the barriers of sin and guilt and shame, they've actually been removed. We don't need to run and hide. fig leaves or vines or ships to run away to Tarshish. Don't need them. We have Christ. We can now walk, as Adam and Eve did, without shame and without guilt, walking with God, fully clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We can once again bask in the light of his glory as he shines the light of his grace into our hearts knowing there's full forgiveness there in Christ. Knowing that there's love from God, and as we're going to find out in a, later this year in our series, that actually that love from God, first and foremost to us in Christ, then actually reaches perfection. It reaches its goal in us, not just when we say, thank you, Lord, you love me so much, but actually when we love one another 
That's when God's love does its full circuit and our fellowship with one another is restored. That's what it is to walk in the light. Have fellowship with God and with one another. And you can't do that, John tells us. You cannot walk like that and receive all the goodness and grace of God and still hate your brother or sister. If you hold bitterness and anger in your heart, I don't know about you, but it happens to me at times, and it feels wrong. And you wrestle with it and you want it dealt with. Sometimes you want it dealt with by that other person fixing it up, (laughs) fixing themselves up, don't you? But actually, more often than not, it's our heart that needs to be dealt with, with a bitterness and anger. There might still be an issue to resolve, but not in bitterness and anger. You can't walk like that and still hate your brother and sister. If we do, John says, you're still in the darkness, walking in the darkness, and we don't know where we are going. Because the darkness has blinded our eyes. As we've heard, we still, that means we're calling light darkness and darkness light and evil good. You know, the only hatred a child of the light should have is a hatred of sin and evil. But as we walk in the light and in the love of God, loving him in return and loving one another, then we abide, John tells us, we remain in the light. And in whoever does that, there is no cause for stumbling. Jesus makes a wonderful promise in John's Gospel. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. That's a promise from the lips of God himself, our Saviour, who does not lie. His word is truth. Those who follow Christ will no longer walk in the darkness. Instead, they will have the light of life. And on the back of that promise, we have Paul and John here urging us to walk as children of light because we have the light of Christ. I pray this new year, 2022, whatever it holds in any other way, I pray that it might be one of light for us all in every way. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let's pray. Father, as we started today, we pray that it would be your peace that rules our heart. A peace beyond our understanding, but not beyond our receiving because you've given us your Son and your Spirit. And fathers, we've just heard that walking in the light is far more about you than it is about us. But you've then made it about us in your own heart by sending your Son and your Spirit to us that we would receive the light of the knowledge of your glory in the face of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, this year, this day, by your Spirit, would you help us, we pray, walk in that light, in the truth of Christ, the truth that we are sinners in desperate need of your grace and mercy, and in the truth that we have received grace and mercy 
in your Son so that we might have all our sin cleansed, that we might be washed of all unrighteousness and so have fellowship with you, Father, Son and Holy Spirit and with one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.